Hello there and welcome to another episode of The Cycle Podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here and listening today. Thank you so much for your support. On today's show, I chat with Anna Herrera, the founder of Hormone University. We talk about her journey with endometriosis, starting a product line, and also why she started Hormone University. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm wishing you a good day and low pain. Take care. Hi, everyone. Today I have Anna with me and she and I have known each other for several months, maybe a little bit longer. Um, And I'm really excited to have her on and chat today because she does so much amazing work and she's going to talk to us all about that today. But she is also an endo patient. So we're going to go into her story as well. Anna, thank you for coming on the cycle. Thank you so much, Melissa. I am so honored that you've invited me. Thank you. Oh, we can't wait to get to know you better. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, anything and everything? Okay, okay. Uh, That's always the difficult part, isn't it? When you have to talk about yourself. (laughs) So hard. Yeah. So, okay. So look, I I am originally from Spain. Uh, That's where I grew up and my family's there. I'm the youngest of I have three older brothers and uh, I spent most of my professional career in the beauty industry in the UK. So I was based in London for 15 years and I worked for some of the very well-known brands in hair care and skincare and personal care. And yeah, and then five years ago, I decided to move to New York. So uh, that has been a very interesting contrast in life. And um, I love New York, it's, it's great. So uh, with everything that's happening with the pandemic, I'm now saying, gosh, how lucky I am. I can be in the US in New York and I have a Spanish passport. So I can go back home and mm-hmm. uh, I can also go to London. So I've been one of those very fortunate people that. I've been able to kind of split my time and escape COVID when it got really bad in the different areas or or cities where I was. So yeah, uh, I'm back in New York now and uh, working on on two very special uh, companies projects that uh, I started. Okay, we're going to get more into those companies and products um, because I think it'll be very relevant for the audience that's listening to this podcast now. Did, did those companies slash products, were they motivated from your story with Endo? So what I'm building right now, uh, for sure, I, I often say what I'm doing now is basically connecting the dots of my life from a personal perspective uh, and also a professional perspective. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's basically what, I think that's what usually happens in life, you know, um, and it's kind of blending your passion with your experience and you can create something new. Okay. Well, starting off just in the beginning, you know, when you first had your cycle or in high school, did you have pain? Were you, was there anything suspect in the beginning of your journey? So I always had very painful periods. And I thought it was normal. And as you can imagine, growing up with three older brothers, it was a little bit kind of more embarrassing to voice it at home. 
And so I just thought it was normal. And my mom would say to me, oh, I also have very painful periods. So I just went along with it. And I guess what, when I really noticed the big difference was when I was working. And I'm guessing the combination of stress and higher cortisol levels when you have a stressful environment at work doesn't help endometriosis, right? Yeah, all so, the inflammation just kind of coming together. When So when you were younger though, like high school, maybe through university or anything, did you miss events? Did you miss things? And just like you said, this is normal. There you were with your heating pad. What were some of your, do you remember your early on symptoms? Was it just around your cycle that you had pain? Yes, at, at that point in time around high school, it was just uh, pain and cramps and inflammation. Okay. But, but yeah, the, the definitely when I started to notice the, the worst pain um, and symptoms of endo was later on when I was in my mid 20s. Yeah, that it seems to be very common is like the yeah. mid 20s. Okay, so you're, you're working, you're stressed. Are, what starts to happen? Do you start to feel sick more daily or, you know, like you said, you kind of had an indicator. What were those indicators that something was off? Yeah. So effectively at that point in time, I was working for a company called Cow Corporation, which is a, a conglomerate of brands. They own John Frieda Haircare, they own Molten Brown, Jergens, some of the very, very well-known brands. And I was there and I was doing really well at work, but I was also suffering and I started really feeling the pain mm-hmm. um, and it kind of got worse. Um, and I started noticing that the pain was was kind of getting longer. The cramps were uh, the frequency and the length was was longer than normal. So it would be like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, it's I'm PMSing and then I would even end my period and I would still have pain. So yeah. And it gradually just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And did it start to get into like every day, not your cycle anymore? Like where you're just noticing, like I'm fatigued, I'm in pain. Yeah. yeah. The, the fatigue was definitely a, a huge one. So I didn't understand. I've been always someone with a lot of energy and so I, I, I just wasn't getting it, to be honest. It was, it was one of those situations where you're like, this must be normal again, right? We're, we're wired to think it's normal. And so it was, um, yeah, it was, I remember the length was getting worse. And um, I then went to uh, at OBGYN and it all started, they first told me I had fibroids and and then i had then a very very bad period of time with excruciating pain and i remember that was my first surgery when they told me you have endometriosis let's just clean this let's just you know get you out of out of the pain and that was my first laparoscopy it was it was probably like early th- i was already early 30s at that point, were you like, what even is endometriosis? Did you have any idea what they were? I mean, they were saying fibroids, this, that, were they trying to, did you go on birth control or did you do anything to manage 
this pain in this time frame before the surgery? Right, exactly. They gave me birth control, yes. And uh, it was a little bit under control, but um, but then my my doctor was more on the, let's say, conservative side. So he didn't want me to be on hormonal treatment all the time. So he would say to me, look, take a break, right? Don't become dependent on this. Okay. And um, and I I have to to correct. It was not my early thirties. It was before. It was I was about 27, 28 at that point in time. Okay. Um. And yeah. And effectively, every time I had that break, it was it was very hard. Very, very hard. And were you still in Spain when this was going on, or where were you geographically? No, I was in London. Okay. Yeah. I was in London, but I loved my OBGYN in Spain. So mm-hmm. I would just fly back yeah. and and see him every time I would go back. It's only three hours away from London. So Right, right. Okay. So you have the surgery. And before that surgery, was endometriosis ever mentioned? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was mentioned. He, you know, that's why I loved him so much. He retired now, but he okay. was one of those doctors that would stay with you for an hour. And he would explain everything in detail. And he did see endometriosis and he explained that to me. Okay. And, you know, now that I know so much more about this and, mm. you know, we, we talk to all these women that go through endometriosis, I am kind of shocked that it takes an average of seven to eight years to get the diagnosis. Yeah. And I, I don't understand how that's even possible, right? I agree with you. I think of that all the time. I, I, I literally don't understand it. It really does not make sense where the, where is the disconnect in the, in the doctors, you know, even the first line of defense doctors in the emergency room or A&E or, you know, how do they not even know what the word is, you know? So it's just, and then when you go to the OBGYN and they don't know what it, I mean, it's, it is shocking. It still happens today. So, okay. So you had that surgery and you find out you have endo. Do you know what that even means though at this point? Like, cause I feel like oh I didn't understand. I was just like, okay, I have this thing. They took it out. I'm good. Bye. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I remember him explaining it to me and I remember him drawing and explaining it to me. Um, and I still was kind of like, okay, I did not give too much importance to it. Yes. I just thought, okay you know, he, I'm in good hands. I trusted him implicitly. So I'm like, okay, they're going to sort it out. And fast forward. (laughs) Yeah. What happened? What happens after the surgery? So good surgery, everything was fine for a couple of years. And Mm. then I had another episode of stress. Um, My father was very sick with cancer and I had to fly back and forth and he was kind of like my hero and a wonderful, wonderful father. So that was very, very tough, very tough to accept as well. Um, So I, what I have noticed, you know, in, in my journey with endometriosis is that I've had very bad peaks of pain when I've had kind of extreme stressful situations. Yeah. So the pain came back with in full force, basically. Um, And that, I think, at that point in time, it was just absolutely horrible. Yeah, unbearable. Yeah, exactly, unbearable. 
So did you go back to your doctor and obviously explain to him like, what's going on? This pain is back. It's unbearable. Yeah. Well, I, I would have phone calls with him, but it got so bad that he told me, look, you need to look for someone there in London. Yeah. You need to look for a specialist in London because you can't be dependent on flying back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's what I did. And, um, it was, it was just, you know, I remember Melissa, I I was in charge of opening international markets for one of those brands. And I remember I had to cancel several trips, um, crawling on the floor, Mm -hmm. crying with pain, uh, vomiting. I mean, we all know the symptoms. Um, and I, it was it was really truly unbearable, and that led me into my second um, surgery. When you were going through that pain and like vomiting and just feeling awful, did you know that it was all related to to endo? I did. Okay, yeah, I did. Okay, um, uh, I knew it just came back, and but I remember every time I would go and do some checkups, I would be praying. I was like, please don't tell me I have this back again, please. Yeah. And I remember the relief in a few occasions when they're like, no, it's all under control. It's okay. And then that horrible feeling when they would go like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's back. And, you know, it's, it was my left ovary, especially that was really bad. Did you Um, keep getting cysts on it? Like endometriomas? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was surviving on a million painkillers a day, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, PMS, unbearable, period, the first three to four days, absolutely horrendous. And, you know, I remember thinking, gosh, I need to take the day off, right? And I felt bad. That's the thing. And that's a big message. Yeah. Don't feel bad. No. If you can't carry on, you can't carry on. That's such a good, I'm, it's such a good reminder and I'm just as guilty I was working retail in my young twenties and I have vivid memories of laying, literally laying on the floor in like a storage room with my heating pad. I was the general manager. So it's like, I couldn't go home. I wasn't, and I should have just went home. Like, I don't know why I didn't, but that is such a, such a good reminder for everyone. It's, it's okay. If you don't feel well to be in a place where you're comfortable Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I don't know why as women, we have this sense of responsibility and this sense of duty, right? Oh, yeah. our job comes first and I have to do what, what I have to do and yes. I must do that. And we should, we should put ourselves first and our health first. Yes, sure. I agree with you. I think that's just so important. Okay, so you have a second procedure. Did you right. do this in London or did you go back to Spain? I did that one in London um, and it was, I remember it was a a pretty lengthy operation. Um, The surgery was long and the doctor told me, you know, there is infiltration, uh, pretty deep infiltration. And so they took much longer uh, than expected. And I remember thinking, "Mm, if they take, if they've taken too many follicles away, I'm not sure what's going to happen to my fertility. right? Right. So and that's, you know, that's effectively what happened. Um, so then, you know, time, time goes by, you, you feel okay for maybe a year. And then 
of course, eat that horrible thing. I don't even want to name it because I feel like I want to insult it. Um, yeah. It came back again and it's yeah. devastating. It's just yeah. devastating. Yeah. I don't know how many times I drove home leaving a doctor's office, just like I shouldn't have even been driving because I was just bawling. Bawling, and, exactly. And it's, you almost, you knew, you know, too. It's like, you knew, it's like, you just go there for the confirmation. I, and, but in your, like, in my gut, I always knew. Right. When, when I had a cyst, when it was back, when, yeah. Exactly. Oh, I'm so sorry. So a year later, you start to feel sick again. What do you yeah. do? So I remember at that time I had very bad cysts as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there was one very, uh, pretty large uh, stuck to the uterus. And, and then, yeah, endometriosis as usual. Yeah. And I think at that point they also saw an infiltration in my colon. Mm -hmm. So I started having really bad pain every time I went to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that there was, it was a relatively small infiltration at the time. So they told me, okay, we need to just keep an eye on this. Um, At the moment it's okay, but we just need to keep an eye on this. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and, And, you know, then Melissa, I mean, I, I kind of lose track. Uh, how many times right same to the doctor and then another surgery right Mm. and it was you know I think what what is worth mentioning is at the time uh before my fourth surgery Mm. I was married and I we wanted to have a baby and I went to just you know we basically said okay you know, with my circumstances, it's probably going to be pretty hard to have a baby naturally. So we uh, tried IVF. And again, what a disaster, right? So that was kind of the hormones and the, yeah, yeah the, the injections yeah. And, and the emotional side yes. that I really want to mention again, it's, it's, yeah. you know, the, the emotional toll, the mental toll. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, you know, we go through pain causes trauma and trauma is not just physical. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it was very tough. I remember when they told us with IVF, you might have a 10% chance of conceiving. So I was, you know, it's devastating. It's like a slap on your face. You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, this is, you know, then it comes the to the point where you have to accept that you will not have a family, um, biological family. So uh, something that, you know, I wanted my, my whole life. Yeah. So very, very hard. Um, and then after that, uh, when we were living in New York, that was the last, the last kind of experience with endometriosis, touch wood. So um, I was going through a divorce and I was just, it was very difficult yeah. psychologically, everything, you know, yeah. uh, anyone who goes through uh, something like that is just horrible. So yes. I was also in a new country um, and, you know, I like, I, I get emotional thinking about it. Yeah. So um again, very stressful episode in my life. Yeah. 
So I suddenly the pain came back again with full force and it's just a, I don't know if it was a coincidence or, you know, some sort of uh, cosmic universal protection, but uh, I was actually on my way back to Spain, on my way back home. And I, I remember I called my mom and I said, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even get up. Um, I am so glad I'm going home. Yeah. This is really bad. I looked four months pregnant. I mean, right, right. <laughs> It was awful. And it's um, painful. That's what people don't understand. It's not just swelling. It hurt. That belly hurts. It's very painful. Yeah. So that that was basically what they told me was, uh, of course, stage four endometriosis without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, deep infiltration in the colon. Um, and everything was just a mess. Um, fallopian tubes completely blocked. Everything was a mess. And they basically explained to me, look, these are the options. We will, of course, try to save your reproductive organs. But we have to inform you that if we see the situation in a kind of really severe way, we might have to open up. So they, they explained everything in a very thorough way. At that point, Melissa, I couldn't stand up. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I couldn't eat. It was, oh, oh my God, it's hard to describe, right? Um, So they, they just asked me to, they, they basically, I went straight to hospital and I stayed in hospital. And so they performed a full hysterectomy and colon resection, which I was very worried about, of Mm -hmm. course. Mm I thankfully had an incredible team of doctors. So that was my last uh, operation, my last surgery. And um, everything has been fine, apart from the fact that I went into surgical menopause. <laughs> so, right. And how long ago was this last procedure? Two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah. You've definitely been through a lot. I'm so, so sorry about everything you've been through. Um, but it's, it's, uh, fueled you to really start helping other people, which is amazing, which I want to chat about as well, but how are you feeling? I mean, did they say you also had adenomyosis? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So that your uterus was just causing you a lot of that additional pain too. Yeah. Exactly. So it's been two years. How are, how are you feeling? So Look, going into menopause with, from one day to the next is not easy. Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to go through it in a space of six, seven to eight years throughout our lives. So it, your body goes into this shock, right? You suddenly go into menopause. Um, I went into bio-identical bio hormone treatment, um, which I highly recommend from my own personal experience. Um, I did try the the classic, you know, pharma synthetic hormonal treatment. Mm -hmm. It did not work for me. Um, So look, I'm feeling great. Not having the pain is the biggest blessing. I remember when COVID started and my friends were like, why are you so fine about this? Why are you so 
kind of like okay with staying at home and not going anywhere and I was I was and I said you know what I've gone through I've gone through such hell yeah with pain that this is a walk in the park for me you know right right and you were used to staying home because you didn't feel well I'm imagining you know exactly exactly but yeah it was, it was perspective more than anything yes yes um, and so you were just grateful that you could walk exactly yeah I could walk I could sleep you know? right right um, yeah so of course you go through hot flashes yeah uh, and there are other things like you know vaginal dryness it's another common one which I do not like but it is what it is so with hormonal bioidentical hormone treatment it, it really helps um, but I'm feeling fine. I'm very grateful. Good. Um, it's, it's, oh my God, it's been, you know, really good. No pain means quality of life. Yes. Yes. And that's so, so important. So I want to talk about Hormone University, which is kind of how we met. Um, yeah. This is a business that you started. And yeah. why did you start it? Because of this journey, I'm assuming, but I'd love to hear, you know, your, your reason behind you, why you started it and how we can find it and, and really what your purpose is in this company. Yeah, thank you. So um, it all goes back to about five years ago when I was um, uh, an executive, I was a partner at a personal care company and I was going through endometriosis and I sent a link to, to one of my partners um, and he never replied. I sent a link to say to them, this is what I'm going through. And there was no reply. And I, I was kind of shocked. Um, so that's, you know, that was kind of like one of those little seeds that they just stay mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, well, how is it even possible that um, people don't want to talk about it? And, I, you know, they're guys, right? They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to know. Uh, but also, so that's kind of like one reason is the educational part, is the edu educational factor. Uh, and of course, the, the primary reason is I had no idea about endometriosis, but also I had no idea about the ramifications of endometriosis. It's, it's not just that, it's infertility, right? It's yes. in my case, surgical menopause. Yeah. It's, it's cysts and adenomyosis. And there are so many factors uh, mm -hmm. that you go through. It's, it's the, also the mental side of things, the psychological side. So I always loved education. I've always mentored uh, girls, um, even in my career. So I just thought I want to create something that is clear information, straightforward information, not too scientific so that people can understand yeah. what they're reading. Right. So that was the reason. And it was last year. Um, I guess the pandemic inspired me. And, uh, but it's it, to be, to be frank, it's something that I thought about for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and so I realized that there is no platform to talk and teach and educate about hormonal imbalances. Yeah. Yeah. And Hormone University was born. 
Well, congratulations. And that's, I mean, it's great work and it's, it's difficult work too, right? Cause you have to get all the scientific information and all the data. I agree with what you're saying though, in just a trying to explain what endometriosis is and not receiving that empathy from multiple people in my life. I don't think that they meant it, but I think that they thought I was overreacting or, or not understand, you know, they just didn't understand. And that is, is so hurtful, but they don't, they, they should just listen is kind of how I feel like be, you know, show that empathetic side, listen, we're going through a lot. And like you said, it's not just endometriosis. And for me, I still, every time I have a surgery or something, I think I'm going to be, I'm going to be all better. And I'm someone who knows the, the ramifications of the disease. And it's, I don't know if that's a mental thing or a coping mechanism, but I always just think like this time, this is it. And I want to think that way and be positive, but I also think we have to realize like this is a chronic condition and, you know, it's, it's with you and you have to be very careful about your inflammation because that, and, and you've mentioned it several times about inflammation and, even just stress in our lives and how it can really make us flare up. So it's just something that's so important. So congratulations on starting at Hormone University. So where can people find Hormone University? What, how do they interact? Tell, tell us. Thank you. Yes. So um, you can go to Instagram and it's at Hormone University, all in one word. So we are publishing content there all the time and the articles are on our website, which we have just rebranded and relaunched. And it has more of a kind of like a media style look and feel. I wanted it to be as dynamic as possible. So you can see the latest content and you can just check whatever, um, whatever issue you have that is hormonal. So we've divided into different categories and we also have uh, hormone dictionary so you can check all these weird words that we have to learn right um, and see what they mean and so our goal is to um, educate of course and to reach as many women as we can not just in the US but anywhere in the world we also have women following us from many other countries where Things are even worse because their voices can't even be heard. You know, countries like Iran and Saudi Arabia and the Middle East and mm -hmm. India. And there is this really, really tough men menstrual stigma. Yes. So uh, our goal is to, is to reach as many women as we can. And we also have an advisory board of doctors and experts not just covering Western medicine, but also Chinese medicine, naturopathy yeah. um, and functional medicine as well. I think that's so great. And I think that's one of, I was talking to a patient just yesterday on the phone that was going through a hard time. And she was like, do you think I should try supplements or seeing a natural doctor? She's like, I'm just getting really tired of pharmaceutical medication. And I said, I personally have gone that route just because if it's something I have to maintain every day, I feel a lot more comfortable personally taking something that's more on the natural route. So I think that that's fantastic. And I also love that you said you wanted to take this information and make it digestible. Cause I think that that's a huge part too. Some of this gets very involved with hormones and, and it's just, it is, it's a lot to learn. And if we can make bite-sized pieces of content, like what you're doing, 
it'll just help to educate people more right. quickly. Yeah, oh. exactly, exactly. And I want women to advocate for themselves. Yeah. I want them to go to a doctor and be able to ask the right the right questions yeah. so that they get the right care. Yeah. And I was one of those lucky ones that had, you know, a great doctor, but many, many doctors might not be specialized in a particular condition. So mm -hmm. I want them to read and educate themselves so that they can go and say, well, I've read about this. What do you think? And they'll be able to check, right? If yes. the doctor uh, knows about the subject in depth. Exactly. 100%. Well, I know you have some, another project. I don't know if you can talk about it yet, but if you can, I'd love to hear about it. If not, we can move on to another Just topic. Briefly, yes, I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, because of all of the journeys that you and I have been through and also my inclination to um, avoid pharma synthetic treatments, I started researching with two alumni from Columbia University on natural ingredients that can help uh, balance your hormones. And, you know, medicine has been around for centuries. And many people don't know that actually the pharmaceutical industry exists because of herbs and because of natural ingredients that get converted into molecules for the pharma industry. So, um, it's very important for people to understand that ingredients coming from nature are there for, for a reason. And so um, we started looking into it and we found quite a few very interesting ingredients that have been used for centuries, um, but they're not highly commercialized and they help uh, balance and, and um, inflammation, with, with, which will have a, an effect in many of the symptoms that we go through. So uh, I am building a personal care brand, which is aimed at women going through PMS, premenstrual syndrome and menopause or premenopause. So I'm very excited. Um, I wanted to build a brand that was not, you know, oh, you know, I have, let's say, um, dry skin. So I'm going to get this kind of collagen products because there are tons of brands that do that so I wanted I basically thought what are the symptoms that we go through with PMS what are the symptoms that we go through menopause and what can I create so that I can target those symptoms so it's very much problem solution focused and it's called Glow Botanica um, because we should be glowing with botanics with natural ingredients and we are going to be launching later this year. So hopefully around September time, maybe a little bit earlier. So, yeah. Well, congratulations that, you know, that's amazing. And it's like, you're taking everything you've learned and what you've gone through, but you're combining it with this experience that you had earlier in your career or through most of your career. And I think yeah. that's just such a great achievement. So congratulations. And we can't wait to hear more about it. Maybe when, after you launch, we'll have you back on the podcast and we'll chat about it. And you can tell us a little bit more about the products, but I think that that is just fantastic. And, you know, you're just serving so many people with the information you're putting out and the product you're creating. So it's very, very great work. 
Thank you so much. I'm terrified, but <laughs> I think you're going to do an amazing job. I know it. Is there, is there anything you want to add or tips or tricks before we wrap up? I think, um, yes, I would like to say to everyone to please, please put yourself first. Um, I get really teary and emotional thinking about it because I didn't. And I, you know, it is crucial. Like if you have to sleep a little bit longer, it's okay. And just prioritize yourself. We, we have this um, wellness, uh, wellness resource, uh, wellness kind of tiny ebook um, at Hormone University, a daily planner, sorry, it's a daily planner. Um, and you know about this, Melissa. Yes, and, it's um, fantastic. Go check it out. Go check it out. You get it for free on the website at Hormone University. It's hormone-university.com. And I, it was one of the first things that we wanted to launch because I truly want to encourage women to put themselves first and, and to take care of their health. Yeah. So without health, um, there is nothing we can do. So, yeah. yeah. That's the one thing that we should never take for granted, even though it's very hard to not do it. And I, I agree with you as an overdoer, overachiever. Um, I've, I've learned a lot in the past couple of years about slowing down. And I think it's so important and we should not feel guilty about taking time for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can't be the best to the people that we love and that surround us. If we're constantly pushing, especially when you have a chronic illness like this, it's very difficult. Yes, so, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And I thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us and congratulations on all the wonderful things that you're working on. Really appreciate you thank chatting you with us so today. Much. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your support, listening in and all of your positive feedback. It means so much to me. If you'd like to leave a review, I'd really appreciate it if you could do that on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get more guests, helps us get higher search ranking, and I just really appreciate all of that good feedback because it helps people discover the Cycle Podcast. Also, if you want to keep the conversation going, please join the Facebook group. There is the link in the show notes, and it's just a group, a very small group of people who listen to the podcast and guests who have been on the podcast if you want to further the conversation. And lastly, this podcast is not a replacement for medical advice or treatment, so always have to put that disclaimer in there. Please always, always talk to your doctor. And thank you so much for listening, supporting the cycle. It means everything to me. And I just hope that this is helping you and you're feeling okay today. Thank you again.